Hey friends, welcome back to Fig and Farm at Home. We're going to be talking about preparing for the holidays. In the next couple episodes, we're going to be walking through ways that you can prepare now so that you can enjoy more later. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do that by decluttering and talking about ways that you can declutter now and declutter with success. Maybe you've tried a few ideas here and there and nothing is quite stuck. So let's try to understand our clutter a little bit, shall we? We're doing that today. And the next week, I'm giving you a couple tools to to try, maybe a couple challenges to light the fire for you so that you can finally take action. Because friends, there is time. But why would we do that? Clutter might be the reason you don't love your home. Just plain and simple. Clutter might be the reason you're not inviting people over for Thanksgiving, even though you really love to cook. Clutter might be the reason why you're embarrassed every time you answer the door. Or maybe I'm recording this the day after Halloween. Maybe it was the reason why you sat on your front porch instead of had the kids knock on your door yesterday for Halloween. Whatever it is, clutter can be inhibiting. Clutter can be paralyzing. And we want to combat that as best we can. So today we're going to be talking about the different types of clutter there are. Maybe you have one more than another. And then next week, we're going to give you the tips and the tricks so that you can experiment with different ideas, different challenges, different ways of decluttering that might work for you. So friend, are you ready? Let's dive in and enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted. And now the message is home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style. Where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Friends, when you hear about clutter, you're probably already thinking, It just means that you have too much stuff, that you have an overabundance or an excess, and that could be it, but there are actually different types of clutter that could be plaguing your home, that could be keeping you from having a home that feels a little less visually chaotic. And I think in order to combat the clutter, we need to understand it. So that's what we're doing today. And I'm going to be sharing six different types of clutter that we should be aware of. This list is not exhaustive, and I'm sure that we can even add a few more things to it, but it's where we're starting. And just like anything that we talk about here at Fig and Farm at home, it is so good when we start. And I'm going to share which ones I struggle with because I struggle too. And it wasn't until I started dissecting the types of clutter that there are that I realized which one was my trigger. And it was actually very freeing because identifying the different types allowed me to have the freedom and the grace to say, you know what, I need a little bit more 
grace for myself and patience to go through the process with these types of clutter, but it's okay. I can combat the visual chaos over here in these categories. And so I'm hoping that this information today is powerful for you. I hope it is a little bit freeing for you, and maybe you'll resonate with one type more than another. And if you do, I want to hear about it. So pop into the Facebook group and let me know. The first type of clutter is what we normally think about when we think about having too much stuff, and that is simply too much stuff. It is the abundant clutter, the too much of a good thing, the duplicates. If I go into my garage, I might see multiple bikes. Of course, there is one for each person, one for each body size. But if I look to the left a little bit, I'm going to see soccer balls. And I'm not going to see two soccer balls. I'm not going to see four soccer balls. I am going to see multiples of soccer balls. Now, I do know we are soccer coaches around here and we do have soccer players. And so sometimes the multiples are helpful for when we go to practice or when we go to individually practice on the fields and we need those. But I might then go into my kitchen and I might open up the drawer and I might see 15 spatulas when I know even though I cook a homemade meal pretty much every night of the week, I only need two or three, maybe one that's in use and two that are clean. I don't necessarily need 15 because I'm not running a kitchen. The abundant clutter is easy to identify because you can go into your closet and identify how many athletic shoes do you have. Do you need 22 pairs of white athletic shoes? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> how about brown sweaters? How about rolls of wrapping paper? Duplicates are easy to identify. And you might even be looking right now on your fall decorated mantle and see, oh my goodness, I have a thousand pumpkins sitting out here on my hearth, on my mantle. I might have them spilling over onto the tablescape. Duplicates are really easy to spot, but duplicates aren't necessarily easy to get rid of. So be sure to hit subscribe so that next week you can come back and get the tips and the tricks and the tools for how to combat the duplicates. All right, number two. This type of clutter is the useful clutter. You know the kind, the I might need that someday clutter. The, you know what, I'm going to want that. I know I'm going to need it and it might be 15 years from now, but I'm going to hang on to it all the same. Sometimes the useful clutter takes up space in small ways or big ways. My mom was the queen of useful clutter and sometimes it really surprised me. Like I needed a box just that size. Mom would have it. Now, that was helpful in those moments, but it also meant going through and getting rid of a lot of boxes that we didn't necessarily need. We never, never, ever used them. Useful clutter could look like tools, craft supplies, school supplies, utensils, things that are going to make your job a little bit easier, storage solutions, organizers. Immediately, the thing that comes to mind are food containers, things that you might have received at the store in its original packaging, like cool up containers that are now being used as a storage container for the chance that you might be taking leftovers or giving leftovers away to a kiddo who's coming home for the weekend. And that is a really wonderful supply to have. I love those disposable, hey, take this with you when you're having a dinner party and you want to give something away without giving your nice Tupperware. But how much do you have? And this can cross the line of abundance and the useful clutter. Of course, a lot of these are going to have their foot in one camp or another, right? They can easily be seen as two different types, maybe three different types of clutter. But how you are keeping it, why you are keeping it could change, could change that definition. So is storage containers your kryptonite? 
How many co-op containers do you have? Do you need more than three at a time? If you are a crafter, a seamstress, a scrapbooker, if you are a woodworker, you probably are feeling like you're raising your little white flag right now. (laughs) I know I sure was because I am all of those things minus the woodworker. That's Mr. Fig and Farm. But I am a crafter. I am a seamstress. I am all those things. And I've had businesses that have started in those arenas. My very, very first business was called Huck and Joe. And it was a baby boutique when in the very early days of of Etsy. And I had clients worldwide. It was so much fun. I did local shows. And I made these things called what I called tagalongs. And they're cute little squares of fabric that were cute print on one side and a minky, which is like a really soft, you definitely want to put your face against it kind of fabric on the other. And it was surrounded by little loops of ribbon. And I sewed those loops of ribbon on so tight and so secure because I I wanted to make sure that 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 baby, as they're playing and holding on to and rubbing the little tag along, that they weren't going to pull out a ribbon. But I had a lot of ribbon because I liked a lot of variety. (laughs) And sometimes the colorful fabric on on the front side didn't necessarily go with the ribbon I had. So I bought multiples of ribbon. Huck and Joe stopped being a thing probably about eight years ago. And I still had that ribbon in my craft space, in my office. And you've heard me talk about, if you are a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about the bane of my existence, which is the office. No longer, it's not any longer, but it was. And it wasn't until I identified and classified the things that I had here as useful clutter, but it wasn't realistic these, these tools and supplies were no longer realistic for the lifestyle I had. And in this case, for the business I was running. And useful clutter can really fall into a similar category as this next one, which is the aspirational clutter. Aspirational clutter is anything you're keeping for a future version of yourself. So in the case of the ribbon, maybe I'll start that business again. I'm not going to. But I do like to create tagalongs every once in a while, so I do keep a few ribbons, but I got rid of so many ribbons. You guys, it's embarrassing how many I got rid of. If you were a sewer, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> High five over here in the corner. But aspirational clutter can look different. You don't have to be a crafter to have aspirational clutter, but it can fall into that same category of maybe I'll use it someday. Maybe someday I'll lose 20 pounds. Maybe someday I'll finally start gardening. So I'm going to keep those books or I'm going to keep those jeans that don't fit anymore, but I sure liked them. Aspirational clutter is hanging on to things that that aren't really fitting our lifestyle currently. They're the things we are hoping for. And this can be a really hard one because it is attached to emotions a little bit more than the abundance, the too much of a good thing kind of clutter. So next week, as we are diving into the ways to combat each of these specific types of clutter, I want you to be mindful of, is it an emotional clutter or is it a physical object type of clutter? Because that's going to dictate how successful you are in decluttering, in getting rid of, in purging. The fourth type of clutter is homeless clutter. A lot of times this just falls into the category of these items have a home, we just haven't tidied up yet. I can immediately think of my kiddos' school bags, and I don't even want to say school bags, bags in general. So each boy has a soccer bag because they play soccer. Each boy has a lunch bag. Each boy has a school bag, a backpack. Each boy has a 
little cinch sack that they carry their PE clothes in. That's four, four bags each. Four bags times three boys. That's 12 bags. And do you know where those bags land a lot of times? <laughs> yep, you guessed it. They land literally at the bottom of the stairs. I mean, why? Why? Just put it to the side for a second <laughs> so that we are not tripping over these bags. But then they land in this area that is in the middle of dining and walkway and all the things. So that is homeless clutter. Those have homes. It's just a matter of motivation. <laughs> it's just a matter of getting them to the location that they should be stored. That in my home specifically is, I don't want to say it's a lazy issue. That is a different issue. That is a getting in the habit of putting it away where it belongs because it does have a home. But some homeless clutter might look a little different in your home. Paper clutter is often homeless clutter. These are things that might land on the counter because you haven't made a decision about them yet, but they will have a home, either the filing cabinet after you've paid the bill or the shredder, maybe the recycle bin, but they're hanging out causing a little bit of visual chaos because they just haven't been put in their home yet. Homeless clutter can look like shoes that are laid out if they have a home elsewhere, coats that are laid out if you have space for your coats. Homeless clutter can look like the piles of laundry that get stacked on the, the chair in the corner of your room because you haven't had a chance yet to put it away. You've worn it and laid it there instead of putting it in your closet where it belongs. Homeless clutter, clutter is usually related to habits that haven't been formed yet or a lack of time. The fifth type of clutter is sentimental clutter. This is the one that I struggle with the most. I still have wedding cards from 22 years ago. Very sweet to look at, but I haven't put them into anything that is going to be a keepsake. They are literally in a bag in my closet, in my, you guessed it, my office. Do I need to keep them? Probably not, but they are attached. Sentimental clutter is attached to emotions, memories, heartstrings in a way that other things are not. Some other examples of sentimental clutter that come to mind are pictures, artwork from kiddos, baby clothing, travel souvenirs, wedding paraphernalia, maybe clothing items that you wore to special events, photos, even yearbooks. I have a friend who is a decluttering coach and she got rid of her yearbooks. And some of you are gasping right now. I kind of gasped. <laughs> but the sentimental clutter for her led to a negative memory. She didn't want to hang on to that negative memory that was associated with that yearbook. And so she said goodbye, but it definitely was attached to a memory. Sentimental clutter is sometimes the things that come into our home that take up really big real estate. They have big footprints like your grandma's hutch or credenza, the things that your mom might bring over on a weekend and say, you know what, this was your grandma's and we would like it to stay in the family. That can be sentimental clutter. And it's especially painful as, as a design coach, helping some of these women overcome and create spaces that reflect them when they are literally combating the sentimental clutter that they didn't want in the first place, but there's an attachment to it because it would belong to someone in their family who isn't going to know, quite frankly, if it has been kept in the family or not. And that, that's a little bit of a hard truth, but the reality is for those pieces, the question that should be asked is, do you love it? And we're going to talk more about that next week, but do you love it or is it causing a big harumph every time you walk by it? Is it causing a negativity every time you walk by it? And the last type of clutter that we're going to talk about today is the price tag dependent clutter. And I left this for last because a lot of people hang on to their things, whether they are sentimental, whether they are overabundant, 
useful, aspirational, because there was a price tag associated to it. It was so cheap. I bought this on such a super sale. Why would I get rid of it? Or it cost so much. Why would I get rid of it? And what I want you to remember with this type of clutter is that it's usually associated with the waste of getting rid of it. Well, I'm going to waste money by donating. I'm going to waste money by giving it to someone else by getting rid of it. But you're not wasting it by removing it from your home. That I want to make abundantly clear. The waste happened in the purchase of it, in the acquisition of it. It's not happening now as you're trying to make space for your life the way that you're wanting to live it now, the home that you're trying to create now. That's not wasteful. The waste happened at the very beginning of that journey when it entered your home. This is again one of those things I see a lot as a design coach. It is something that I hear clients say over and over and over again, well, I I paid too much money for it. Well, do you love it? No, I hate it, (laughs) but I paid too much money for it. What do we do with that information? That sometimes is by itself a hard stop. If you can't answer the question, do you love it? Or you can answer it, but the answer is no, I I actually hate it. There, There sometimes is not a whole lot we can do with that. There needs to be a little bit of flexibility to get beyond that. Sometimes there's remediation, sometimes there are fixes, but other times there just aren't. And so when there is a hard line drawn in the sand for whatever of these things, that can be really tricky. So allowing yourself that flexibility of, first of all, acknowledging the acknowledgement of, gosh, this was a poor choice. This was a, I did not make the best decision. Maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or two weeks ago, I didn't make the best decision. How am I going to remediate that decision now? Because it's really cramping my style. (laughs) And I don't mean cramping my style because it's not pretty, though that could be the case. I'm talking about is cramping my style because I hate it. I detest it. I loathe it. But it is literally taking up space and residence and kind of even space in my heart because it is bringing about such a negative visceral reaction. So be mindful of that. Acknowledging if items are that for you, we need to take action. All right, friends, those are the six types of clutter that we are talking about today. And we're going to address them all next week. I'm not going to claim that one type of clutter is worse or better than another. Neither next week am I going to claim that one type of system for decluttering is better than one or another. We are all uniquely different and we approach life and our homes in different ways. And we have different struggles. And I absolutely acknowledge all of that one of these tools might be better suited for you and your personality than another. I'm going to let you know next week which one it is for me, one that motivates me every time. And I'm going to try a new one this weekend. And I'll report back next week to let you know how I did with it. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and tune in next week as we dive into all of the tips that will help us Get ready for the holidays by decluttering. We have three weeks. We could do it. Ready, set, go. All right, friends, until next time, I'll see you soon.